This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323read. That's 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I am your host, Reed Murphy. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. Who the fuck is that guy? Look at the show. I'm the company. Welcome to the fucking show. Fuck Scott. That's right, folks. Welcome to the latest installment of College Shame Day, presented by the 323 Network. I am your host, Scott Elia, and I am on my own this evening because apparently Reed wants to go watch high school football. Woo. Eh, whatever. He enjoys it. He, he deserves a night off. But before we get into what's going to be coming up this weekend on this week eight of college football, a couple couple of news stories broke as of late. For one, looks like the negligence claims against ex-Baylor coach Art Bryles have been dismissed. I mean, it's only been about 10 years since this all started coming out. But yes, a federal judge recently ruled that former Baylor football coach Art Bryles was not negligent in the 2014 case involving a female student's report of being physically assaulted by one of his players. The judge dismissed gross negligence claims against Bryles, not only him, but also former athletic director Ian McCaw and Baylor University, stating that there was insufficient evidence to conclude they were grossly negligent. You really feel for the plaintiff, Dolores Lozano. You know, she will proceed with a Title IX claim and one negligence claim against Baylor in front of a jury here at a later date. But when things like this happen, you really want to see some kind of finality, some kind of closing of the chapter, something something positive to come out of this, not just saying, oh, he's okay, he can go, he wasn't at fault kind of thing. You want some kind of some kind of outcome for the plaintiff. Now, of course, Ian McCaw testified that he took appropriate actions upon receiving the report of Lozano's allegations in 2014, and Bryles claimed that he had no knowledge of Lozano's claim reports against the player until her lawsuit in 2016. So like I said, it's been damn near 10 years, and we're finally getting to this point. Now, of course, it really may impact Bryle's reputation, but it doesn't address the broader sexual assault issues at Baylor, who have previously acknowledged its failures in responding to sexual violence incidents, but argue that they handled Lozano's case correctly. And I, I don't feel that's accurate, because if they did handle it correctly are we should we really still be seeing it this later like i said almost 10 years later and yeah bryles's reputation should have some kind of a upswing from here on out from no longer being pinned in this but it's still gonna be something that's gonna taint him from the future speak about taining michigan and stealing signs 
it's another news story that broke as of late and this one doesn't make any sense to me at all because anybody who is around any kind of sports whether it's football basketball baseball hockey any badminton anything and everything you always need to get a competitive advantage over your opponent and one easy way of doing that is scouting your opponent yes the ncaa has rules against in-person scouting i get it for folks that you're going to have play playing in that same season that doesn't mean anything that you can play the, them later down the road, say the college football playoff. So could Michigan be doing this against teams like, I don't know, Florida State or Washington or Georgia? You know, teams that they're not playing this year, but they could see in the college football. That would be okay, according to the rule. But the rule is bogus. I mean, you've had con- you had numerous athletes coming out speaking against this absolutely asinine investigation by the NCAA JJ Watt and Robert Griffin the third being two major proponents because the other day this is scouting you're scouting other teams trying to get a figure out what packages they're running what signs they might be using to try to tip their hand a little bit and if anything it should shine more light onto teams as a whole to figure out a better way to communicate to on the field without putting those massive 10 by 10 cue cards but it looks like they might ncaa might have gotten their scapegoat in michigan football analyst connor stallions who has now been suspended due to the investigation of the alleged sign stealing operation by the wolverines of course the wolverines are being accused of using an elaborate sounding system to steal signs from opponents not just this year but stemming all the way back from 2021 and of course, Jim Harbaugh denies knowledge of the alleged scheme and express, expresses his cooperation with the investigation, which is good for him because Homeboy has been under a microscope as of late. For those who are regular listeners to the show and those who watch college football closely already know that Harbaugh just got off his previously three-game suspension that was related to NCAA charges of recruiting violations. So it's just one more, one more knock against the Michigan Wolverine football squad. And especially if you're one of these teams on the outside looking in from the top four that are going to go to the college football playoff, say in Oklahoma, for instance, if Oklahoma's five or six, do you think they're going to call foul and kind of complain that Michigan's getting in regardless of what's going on with this whole investigation? Now, Michigan and the Big Ten have been informed of the investigation as well as future opponents, including this week's opponent, Michigan State who released a statement that they're even contemplating boycotting the game and not even going out of fear for their players, which is kind of silly. If anything, you're probably putting more of a target on their back against Michigan if they don't want to come out and play. But hey, more to come with this. If anything, we're eight weeks into college football season and these crazy off-the-wall stories haven't stopped. And also, as a little bit of upkeep from last week's games, it was it wasn't another exciting week. Nothing really too crazy or, you know, out of the ordinary. A lot of teams completely routing their little brothers. For instance, Georgia over Vanderbilt, 37-20. to 20. You have that Michigan team completely trouncing Indiana, 52-7. to 7. And Ohio State being the breaks off of Purdue 41 to seven after that Florida state at home coming off a bye, beating Syracuse 41 to three Penn state over UMass 63 to zero. No surprise there. UMass is one of the worst college football teams 
in the nation as of as of right now. Uh, the ESPN College Game Day game of the week: the Washington Huskies over the Oregon Ducks, thirty-six to thirty-three, and a game that Scott doesn't care about: Notre Dame over USC, forty-eight to twenty. It's two teams I couldn't care less about. Alabama barely squeaking away from a very underwhelming Arkansas team this year. They're two and five. They dropped another game to Alabama, twenty-four to twenty-one. You know, you got KJ Jefferson there. You got a lot of talent on that Arkansas Razorback team. And it just goes to show you how competitive the SEC is. And you really need to be firing off all cylinders every single week to maintain any kind of relevance. But I see a lot of those players being able to get to the next level in the NFL and produce. Now, the college shame day game of the week, the UNC Tar Heels at home against the Miami Hurricanes. UNC is the victor, 41 to 31. We'll get into a little bit more detail here in a little bit. And then rounding it out, Pittsburgh with the upset victory over number 14, Louisville, 38 to 21. Congrats to Pitt. Oregon State over UCLA, 36 to 24. Utah, number 16, Utah over Cal, 34 to 14. Duke still performing very well, beating NC State, 24 to 3. Tennessee over Texas A&M, 20 to 13. Good. Fuck Jimbo Fisher. He doesn't deserve to be at Texas A&M, and hopefully this is kind of the the writing on the wall to get him out, even though he does have a hefty price tag as far as a buyout goes, which we might get into next week. There's a, there's a, there's some there's some rumors circulating right now in college football, so we'll probably get into that next week. Washington State unfortunately dropping another game, and this time to Arizona, forty-four to six. LSU over Auburn, 48-18. And another pair of, of upsets, Oklahoma State over Kansas, 39-32. If those of you who listened last week caught my little tip while going through these games that I was calling that upset, I was not shocked. And then, of course, Missouri beating Kentucky on the road, 38-21 to run out your Week 7 games. Oh, folks, when you hear that music, the dust is rolling in, the barn doors are swinging open, and it can only mean one thing. It's time for College Shame Days, Shameful 8. That's right, the top eight college football programs as of right now. This list has been changing quite frequently week to week. And this one is actually relatively close to the AP poll, which I'm kind of upset about with myself. But hey, you can't win them all. But to go into it a little bit deeper, we're going to start at number eight and work our way up. At number eight right now, we have the Oregon Ducks. Yes, they had that tough loss last week late against Washington, but they're back at it this week against Washington State at home. They should be able to right the ship, especially when they have the number one points for in the league for college football with 48 and a half points per game. And they're only allowing about 15 and a half to 16 points a game to their opponents. So they're kind of flirting with that top 10 production on that side of the ball. Moving to number seven, we are going to Penn State. I'm keeping them at seven because they just went to the bakery for some cupcakes last week with that absolutely dismantling of the UMass Minutemen, 63 to zero. 
And they haven't really been tested this year. Like I talked about last week, their most quote-unquote impressive win to me was against a meh Iowa team. Yes, they do have... They are one of the top scoring teams in the nation in the top five. And yes, they are the second best team when it comes to points scored against them. But like I said, this week's game is going to be their biggest test yet against Ohio State, which we'll get into here in a second. But before we get into that, let's get into number six. And that was the Oklahoma Sooners. They got a little rest last week. They had their bye week after a well-deserved Red River rivalry victory over Texas. They're back at it this week at home against UCF. They're looking dominant and could make a push into that top four easily with some of these teams really schedule starting to really heat up now. Another one of those teams that are posting really great, you know, top five in points for, top 10 in the points against column. Moving forward to number five, it is the Ohio State Buckeyes. They won with no issues on the road against Purdue last week, 41 to seven. And of course, this is college game day's game of the week against Penn State at home. Offense is looking meh. They're really, I mean, they're always putting up about 36 points a game. That's kind of in the top 20, the top 30 range. But nobody's really been able to score on them. They're only allowing sub 10 points a game. But now that they're going against Penn State, who put up points on everybody, it should be a very interesting game. I'm excited to watch that. And honestly, I don't care who wins. Neither team I have the respect for, for my own personal reasons. But moving to number four for a team that I do have the utmost respect for, the Florida State Seminoles. Last week coming off their bye, absolutely dismantling Syracuse at home 41-3. Up next is number 16, Duke at home. I feel like they can continue the momentum. You know, they're doing really great on the offensive side of the ball. I really want to get their defense up and running and kind of doing a little bit more. They're still allowing a little bit too many points for comfort this late into the season so hopefully they can get something going there which brings us to the top three that's right the top three in the shameful eight number three we have washington after that thrilling late game victory over oregon last week arizona was up arizona state is up next at home this week yes they are another one of those teams in the top five as far as points score but their defense is just hemorrhaging points i mean i think they're ranked right now 43rd giving up about 20 to 21 points a game so hopefully they can figure it out because that's one team I could see kind of slowly falling down this ranking as the season goes on. Moving on to number two, we got the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm going to keep them there. I, I, I learned my lesson last week by not having them in the top eight and they came out. But it's going to be interesting from here on out because they lost tight end Brock Bowers early with a high ankle sprain who has now gone under surgery, underwent surgery. But there's no timetable for a return. And honestly, if I'm Brock Bowers, I already know I'm a guaranteed lock for the NFL draft at the next level. I'm not risking coming back for another title. I already got two under my belt. Do I really need a third? And of course, they edged out Vandy 37 to 20 on the road. They got a bye week this week, but they'll be back next week at home against Florida. Which brings us to number one, a team that we've already talked about today in this show, and that is the Michigan Wolverines. Rushing Indiana 52 to 7 at home last week. Like I mentioned, they have Michigan State this week on the road. But I could see this being a trap game for Michigan. You know, with all the cheating allegations and the investigations swirling around, and you know, Jim Harbaugh getting back in the swing of things back on the sideline. They have 
a top 10 offense in points, and they are the number one team when it comes to points scored against them at six and a half. With everything going on in Michigan State we've talked about before, it's it's going to be a very interesting game, I will say that at the very least. And let's look at this Heisman race. It's heating up. It is heating up for sure. A lot of movement, a lot of movement. I'm actually putting Bo Nix back at number five on my Heisman watch. Last week, posting 33 for 44 for 330 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions at Washington, which puts him on the year 164 for 207, 1,700 yards, 17 touchdowns, and one interception. So good for Bo. Moving to number four, we got Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma. Last week, like I said, it was his bye week, but he's been posting very impressive numbers as of so far. 141 for 195, 1,800 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, and two picks. Number three, this is where you can see a little bit of a slip. I don't know what Caleb Williams and USC are doing out there. Last week, he got exposed. 23 for 37, 199 for one touchdown and three picks on the road against Notre Dame. Yes, if you look at his season stats, he's still performing very well. 142 for 203. Just over 2,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, and four picks. So hopefully they can correct the course there. USC, if he wants to go at being the repeat Heisman Trophy winner, which I don't feel like he's going to because, A, you got Jaden Daniels, who I feel has jumped him in the rankings. Last week, 20 for 27, 325, three touchdowns, and a pick against Auburn, which on the year pushes him to 152 for 208, over 2,200 yards passing, 22 touchdowns, and three picks. And then, of course, we have the cream of the crop that rises to the top. That is Michael Penix Jr. of Washington, who last week posted 22 for 37, 302 for four touchdowns and a pick against Oregon, which now on the year posts 155 for 215, 2,300 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, three picks. And I do not see this offense slowing down. I think the Pac-12 is wide open, especially with USC dropping a lot of these games that they really shouldn't have. So we can only hope that they're able to hold on for the rest of the season. Cue the band. It's time for Game of the Week. Before we get into who this week's College Shame Day Game of the Week is going to be, last week we had number 25 Miami at number 12 UNC. And thankfully, UNC got that victory 41-31 over Miami because fuck the Hurricanes. They don't deserve anything. Miami quarterback Tyler Van Dyke had a pretty a pretty honorable game. Close to 391 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks. But welcome back, Tez Walker. Holy crap. Six receptions for 132 and three touchdowns. He is that man. Mama stop him. I am now... Slightly concerned as a Florida State fan, potentially playing UNC in the AC championship game because that is one dynamic player that UNC got back on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm very excited to see what he's able to do as production goes and how much that propels Drake May into the future Heisman conversation. But for eagle-eared listeners out there who have been listening to this music, who know what these fight songs are, don't spoil it for the rest of everybody. I'm going to spoil it because this week's game of the week 
is number 22, Air Force. That's right, Air Force at Navy. Everyone's thinking, Scott, why Air Force? They're 6-0, guys. 6-0, number one in the Mountain West. They're the top 20 as far as points for, and the top 10 as far as points against, but they have the number one rushing offense in college football, averaging about 334 yards a game, led by fullback. That's right, you heard me. Fullback, Emmanuel Michelle. Don't get it. Don't get it confused with Sody Michelle. There's no relation. I already checked. Don't bother even looking it up. But on the season, he's carried the ball 113 times for 497 yards and eight touchdowns. And you're probably sitting there thinking, Scott, what's Navy got? Navy has a rushing offense too. Yes, they're three and three. They're kind of in the middle of the road as far as the American Conference goes, but they are in the top five as far as rushing goes, averaging about 235 yards a game. Led by, again, fullback. That's right, two fullbacks. Who ever thought we'd be talking about fullbacks? For folks who listened to the latest Ricks versus Ricks episodes, uh, Taylor Swift came up again, and I can tell you one thing, that is not one fullback. I tried. Tried to get a joke in, and it just didn't work, but oh well, whatever. But going back to the fullback, Alex Texa. I'm going to butcher the name anyways, but 62 carries, 503 yards, and four touchdowns on the year. This is going to be a very, very exciting game. Oh, that's right. The lames of the week. Last week's, as you remember, it, the game was so lame, it already happened before the show even came out, and that was Louisiana Tech at Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee, 131-23. Same thing next week, folks. Game was so lame. Already happened. FIU, Florida International University, traveling to Sam Houston. And FIU won 33 to 27. Whoop de doo. Oh, folks, but to close out the show, the most exciting exciting point of college shame day and for those of you who are listening for the first time don't miss out on any of the excitement follow us on instagram and facebook at 323 college shame day you can also find us at 323 read on the main 323 network channel subscribe to the 323 network on youtube and catch our podcast on all major podcast platforms you know be a part of the conversation be a part of a growing community of sports enthusiasts and curious minds. That's right, curious minds. But there's one thing that I am curious about right now, and that's what does the fates have in store for me on this week's Wheel of Degenerate? Last week, we're not talking about last week. Not talking about it. Of course, Scott lost again. And I can't keep doing this. I got to hit one. To remind everybody, we had Georgia. We took the spread at minus 31 and a half. They didn't cover. We took Oregon straight up, didn't hit. Took Purdue straight up, didn't hit. But we did hit on Arizona and Missouri. We did get them in there, so congrats to me. Pat's on backs, that's right. And this week, it looks even more juicy and titillating. Ooh, titillating. Scott sounds a little bit dirty, but hey, whatever. Starting off, ESPN College Game Day's Game of the Week, number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. We got UCF traveling to number six, Oklahoma. College shame days, the only shameful thing that you need to worry about. Game of the week, number 22, Air Force at Navy. Then we got Washington State at number nine, Oregon. 
number 17 Tennessee at number one at number 11 Alabama South Carolina at number 20 Missouri North Texas at 23 Tulane Minnesota at number 24 Iowa number eight Texas at Houston Virginia at number 10 UNC 13 Ole Miss at Auburn number two Michigan at Michigan State number 16 Duke at number four Florida State Army at number 19 LSU and side note to that game if anyone hasn't looked it up yet go check out LSU's graphics for their end zones with this Army game it is chef's kiss all around it is amazing LSU and camo colors it actually looks really clean so tip tip of the hat to them and then round out the rest of this week's games we got 14 Utah 18 USC Arizona State at number five Washington and number 25 UCLA at Stanford but let's add the wheel to the stage, folks. Ooh, look at that wheel. It's so pretty. Let's give this a spin. Let's see. The first game on the college game shame days wheel degenerate betting slip is. Wow. We were given all that hype, and I've got I'm actually gonna get them. We're gonna take Army at number 19 LSU for the first game on the ticket. Let's take them out there and let's give it another spin. Number two on the Wheel of Degenerate betting slip is going to be... Looks like we are traveling this week, folks. And that's number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. We're going to be sitting there with everyone from ESPN. Hooray. Love that. Not really, but hey, number three. Ooh, this is going to be a very interesting game. Number three on the betting slip this week, folks, is Washington State at number nine, Oregon. Oregon has been slipping as of late. Washington State is looking to try to make a comeback in the Pac-12 as the little guy. So it could be a potential upset alert. And for those who you are, this is your first time joining in, I will not give you my picks for these games live with you here on this show. The only place to find that is on Instagram at 323CollegeShameDay. Uh, we... The, the, the show gets released sometime Saturday morning, and then I'll typically, these, these, these picks will post around 10, 30, 11, so that way folks who want to join in my misery and lose some money, it'll be available for you at that point in time. But number four on the ticket is Minnesota at number 24, Iowa. We already talked about Iowa before, a very lackluster team. I could very easily see them dropping this game against the Golden Gophers in Minnesota. But before we announce the fifth and final pick, just to recap, we have Army at 19 LSU, Minnesota at number 24 Iowa, Washington State at number 9 Oregon, number 7 Penn State at number 3 Ohio State, and to round it out, every week, every week they're on my goddamn ticket, and that's number 14 Utah at number 18 USC. They can't keep getting away with this. I'm going to have to hit this right at one point, but man, whatever. Get the wheel out of my face. I don't even want to look at the wheel anymore. But that is right, folks. Just to recap, the five games that will be on College Shame Day's Wheel Degenerate Betting Slip of the Week. Number seven, Penn State at three, Ohio State. Washington State at number nine, Oregon. Minnesota at 24, Iowa. Army at number 19, LSU. And number 14, Utah at eight, number 18, USC. These picks will be made available to you on our official Instagram page at 323CollegeShameDay. You can also find us at 323Read on Facebook and Instagram as well at the 323 Network. And like I mentioned before, come join the community. 
come join the conversation with us. Check us out, 323 Network on YouTube channel. Catch all our podcasts wherever you may find them. I don't care. I, I listen to them on Spotify. If you're one of those Apple podcast folk, have at it. Who am I to judge? But the only advice I give you every single week is that if you're not going to be good, make sure to be good at it. Have a shameful day. Fuck Scott. Yeah, I like that.